Professor Bryn Brown's research shows that vulnerability fosters good emotional and mental health. It is a sign of courage. We become more resilient and brave when we embrace who we truly are and what we are feeling. The Vulnerable Scientist Podcast is a space for scientists to tell their honest and authentic stories. I am your host, Saranya Kerry, who happens to be a scientist, informal science communicator, and I help scientists create personal websites. If you want to support this show, go to www.patreon.com slash the vulnerable scientist. You can also follow this podcast on all social media platforms at TV Scientist Pod. Okay, so um, Verena, uh, tell us the story that got you to where you are right now. Sure, so I'm going to start um, by when I just kind of started university because I think that was um, a pivotal, the pivotal, <laughs> a pivotal <laughs> moment in my life. Um, I joined the University of the Western Cape um, and I had this vision of becoming this like star marine biologist <laughs> at the end of my journey. Um, and really quickly when I, when I entered the program, I mean, I feel, think it was week one, I just went, whoa, this is really overwhelming. Um, this is such a like high tense, high stress situation. And there's so many things that, that you don't know, especially when you're, you know, basically a first gen. So many things that you don't know, so many things that you don't anticipate, so many things that you didn't even think about that mm. now are just kind of all thrown on you. And I think that is, it was very difficult for me to deal with. Um, but I think that I got through my first year, with, I was probably crawling through my first year. Um, it was really, really tough. But I think one of the, the best things about it was that it really did kind of, just throw me right into what academia would be um, and what was to come, which was just, there was so many obstacles. Mm. And I don't think I anticipated all those obstacles on the way. Um, so I always tell people that I was a really mediocre student um, throughout all of my undergrad. I struggled a lot academically. I struggled. To, I felt like I struggled to keep up um, and I really felt like I was really one of the weaker students. Um, and so, you know, I failed a couple of modules and that really shook my confidence. I, I don't know, I just, I really struggled. <laughs> like one thing I think about when I think about like the beginning of my academic journey is just struggle, struggle, struggle. Everything was like a constant struggle. Everything was difficult. Um, and I also, I, I feel like within that period was really when I developed like a lot, a lot of anxiety. I was anxious all the time. Um, I also remember very distinctly that tests were my mortal enemy. They were really my mortal enemy. Oh. I, I was not a very good tester. I struggled. Um, but I think I learned to pick myself up quite a lot during that time. And that made me stronger as I progressed. Um, and so the journey was rocky throughout, I would say. But there were really moments that really made me feel like, you know, but I do belong here. Um because there were just there were just certain things like when I would do certain courses or go into you know a lab session and come out actually being like wow I actually understood all of that and that was so cool and I could see myself doing this for a really really long time and I just wanted to learn more and know more but I think for me it was really about the learning 
is back throughout. It's always just been about the learning experience. And so when I think for me, grading was, was always really difficult because I was just, I was a bad tester. Um, I, I did bad with assessments, but like if you gave me a practical and I had to work my way through it, I was really good at that. Um, mm-hmm. so I really struggled with the boxes and, you know, the system. Um, yeah. that was very difficult for me to navigate, I think. And I, I, I really didn't do well. And to be <laughs> fairly honest, I'm not sure how I got selected to come into my honors program. Oh, wow. Um, I, I really don't know, eh, because I was mm-hmm. so weak academically and, I don't know, I must have had like some guardian angel just looking over me at the time or something because it was, it was kind of a miracle that I got into postgrad. But, um, I think undergrad scarred me sometimes. I sometimes feel like undergrad scarred me so much that it, that I, I was just going to be a mess in postgrad, but I did a lot better there because it was a lot more practical. You had to, mm. It was a lot more, you know, you had to apply a lot of the things that you were learning during undergrad and it was just a different environment. So, uh, my postgraduate, graduate program, they, um, they really kind of wanted you to be very independent. So the way that they structured the program was, you know, all these, these, we did coursework, but, um, it was done in such a way that a lot of the onus was in you to want to learn. You had to show up, you had to do the work. And if you didn't do the work, you just weren't, wasn't, you weren't going to progress as fast as, you know, the next person who was doing the work. And so they really just put it on you. And I kind of did well with that. Um, mm-hmm. because, you know, that my rate of development was really up to me. And it was my first little taste of a proper research project. And that's when I went, you know, like apart from the grades and, you know, all that other pressures, the science really, you know, is what I love. And, I think that's always been a high for me throughout my journey is the actual science, the actual mm-hmm. being, you know, in the lab, learning. Learning has always always been a high. So when I grasp something really quickly, I'm a, I'm a very slow learner. I take mm-hmm. a long time to learn something. And so when I grasp something, I'm always like, oh, like I didn't even know I could understand this complex topic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I did it. <laughs> I did it. Mm-hmm. With my limited IQ, I did it. Um, and so I think looking back, Maybe not at the time, but looking back, I think um, a big high for me was just like getting through it, um, just backing myself, even when I was the weakest student, you know, I still tried, I still did the best I could. Um, And I don't know, I just kind of always told myself, if you want to do this and they are telling you no, like find ways to do it, find ways to get through it, find ways to be better at something that, you know, maybe other people are, are overlooking. Um, and so, yeah, so I kind of did that and that's also why I, I think I kind of took on weird little jobs while I was studying. Um, everybody was kind of like, what is this, what is this lady doing? What is this girl doing? And I was just like, it's my journey. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> Wait. Okay. So question, what, what did you mean by first gen? So I don't have, I, at the time I didn't have anybody around me who had done any tertiary education before. And mm-hmm. so, um, there was not, you know, there was nobody that I could ask questions to or like bounce things off of. Um, and yeah, I just, I didn't know the world that I was walking into at all. Like I didn't, I didn't anticipate like just, just as a small example, um, my very first week, I walked into the lab and they were like, okay, so you need to buy this, 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 and that. And I was like, oh, I didn't know I would need money this first week. <laughs> mm. 
Um, like, like all those little things or like you go and they'd be like, oh, but you need like these five textbooks and they're all like a thousand rand each. And mm. it was like, what? Okay. Wow. It's all those little things. And yeah, I think there was nobody to warn me about that. They were, I mean, when I would get stuck with, you know, university administration, I ran into an issue or problem. There was nobody to tell me, oh, go, just go there, go there, go mm. do that. And so everything mm. was just like a struggle. Everything was difficult. Whenever I needed help or a solution, finding the help and the solution was really hard. Um, and so I think it's also why at the moment, if somebody asks me for help, I always kind of feel really terrible if I can't help because I know how much they probably need it. Um, mm. and how difficult it is to, to just not get that help. And yeah. So it was just, yeah. <laughs> can you Having tell nobody. us yeah sorry no go ahead yeah can you tell us more about you growing up and um how you came to you wanting to be a marine biologist <laughs> yeah um so i think when i was growing up um my parents just kind of had a very not a relaxed take, but they were very comfortable with me playing outside, getting dirty, being out in nature. And they also saw that I, I think they just saw that I enjoyed it from a very young age. And so they never barred me from doing that. And so I was always like climbing trees and always messy and dirty. And so I think I just naturally like had this love for nature that I think my parents also just fostered a lot of the time. And mm. um, as a family growing up, one of the things that, that we always did was we went fishing together. Um, mm -hmm. and so, yeah. And so I think all of those experiences just kind of made me go like, I don't know what exactly I want to do, but I really like nature. And so I always knew that whatever position I had, there had to be, you know, some, some element of nature. Mm -hmm. Um, and over time, I just kind of felt like marine biology was really the thing that I wanted to do. Um, I actually told people that I wanted to be a, a marine biologist a marine biologist when I was like like nine years old and everyone was like oh yeah I'm sure you do wow <laughs> but then I went no no like I really mean it I want to be a marine biologist and mm. all through high school people asked me what do you want to be what do you want to do you know after you finish and I was like I want to be a marine biologist I'm going wow. to do it and then you know academically I wasn't that strong and I, there was there were there were lots of times when I was like I don't know if this is going to happen, but, you know, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I'm going to try and find a way to make it work. And I kind of just did that, I think, throughout my life. It's just like I've just had this vision that I was going to do marine biology. And somehow, you know, no matter what I've done, the marine biology has always just kind of been there. And, yeah, I think it always will. Like, I think even if I stay within the bioinformatics space, I think mm -hmm. there's always going to be that, like, element of, yeah, well, nature's still there. And I think that's also what drove me to get involved with the African Biogenome Project. Because, again, mm -hmm. it gave me that, you know, a little bit of genomics and genetics, but also the very much the specimen collecting, the discovering biodiversity, um, that sort of side of things. And so, yeah, I think it's it's kind of – it's driven a lot of my decisions that I've, that I've made. What I'm seeing here is that you – did not excel because mostly because um, the system wasn't able to access you what you're strong at because mm -hmm. of how it is designed. Uh, it's yeah. designed for you to 
uh, write tests and pass the tests. They they don't uh, they don't like challenge you on the practical side of things and how you can apply mm. the knowledge that they're giving you. And I like that you mentioned that you 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 like the practical practical parts of your university experience, but you really didn't enjoy the te- or rather you didn't excel in the tests. And the only thing that made you actually be a PhD student now, you know, someone might be wondering, this is someone who's been mm. struggling in school. How do you go into becoming a scientist, even getting a, trying to get a PhD out of it and even training people in the same, you know, that hard, in quotes, mm. um, field bioinformatics and being part of these big organizations, especially in Africa, who are steering that forward? As in, it's it's I love that you've brought this aspect of you not excelling or someone not doing well in school doesn't mean they're they're not good enough. It just means that it's just not how their heads probably operate. They are more practical. They're not Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to speak more about that? The, yeah, yeah. In terms so, of the education system. Yeah, so I mean I've I've always had a lot of issues with the way the education system is designed because I feel like for anybody who doesn't fit within the lines and within those boxes, it's always going to feel like you're not good enough or you can't keep up or you can't learn fast enough. And I think that that's very unfair because everybody learns in a different way. And I think because I struggled so much um, just throughout every all of my academics, I think it just gave me so much perspective on learning um, and how different people learn and also how much it impacts your psyche and your psychological state when the system that you're in is telling you that you're stupid, actually. Like, you can't do it. And that thing of, like, I can't do it, that is so damaging to a person. And so I think because the system is, I feel like it's almost in, it's almost ableist in a way because anybody who's not able, right, gets lost. And so I don't think there are enough mechanisms to help those people that are struggling or that do learn differently. I think a lot of, you know, different institutes have been trying, um, but I don't think there's really enough effort that's been put into the way curriculums, for example, are designed and developed. Um, and so I think that is also one of the things that, that in my opinion, has made me do maybe really well in my current position with HA Bionet is because I'm very cognizant of that. Very aware of the fact that people learn differently, that people learn at different paces and in different ways. And so I think it's given me an ability to look at the situation from that perspective. And so when somebody comes to me and they're like, I can't get this, I can't understand this. You know, I I, I think I have that perspective to say, okay, well, then maybe I'm doing a really crappy job of teaching you this. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, how, how, what can I do? to help you learn this better or is there a way that I can do this um, that can help you learn this better? And and it might seem silly and it might seem in, like unimportant, but to that person, it is the difference between them learning something and not learning something. And, you know, it, it's the difference between them improving and excelling and them not and getting stuck and, you know, making it, them feel like they can't do it, but maybe just your bad teacher also. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of teachers don't want to accept that maybe they are yeah. bad teachers, mm-hmm. but I think there's a lot of there's a lot of good that can can come out of you accepting that hey maybe I'm I'm a really crappy teacher and once you also go okay but maybe I don't teach well 
that's when you start to try to find solutions. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing wrong with being a bad teacher, right? Nobody really is taught how to teach if you didn't yeah. do teaching. None of us in this academic space are taught how to teach. We just expected mm-hmm. to do it. And I think that is really bad. Um, and I think that the way that just the schooling system is designed is maybe a little bit fluid, I think, as well. So I think that um, if teacher salaries were, were a little bit higher, they would attract more, you know, like mm-hmm. master's graduates, People who have, you know, really in-depth specialist expertise within lots of different subject matters. And mm-hmm. if they also gave those teachers the ability to go, okay, let me do this little course that I'm teaching, you know, these 10th graders or whatever it might be. Let me do it my way, the way that I know is it's supposed to be done. And I'm going to teach them correctly because, you know, I've gone through the university system. So, I, I mean, hopefully I've been trained well enough to be able to, to know, you know, what's expected out there as well. And so you can then design programs in such a way that and it also prepares students, you know, for what's to come um, in the future. Because I feel like I was very poorly prepared, actually, by by our educational system for the tertiary system. Mm-hmm. It was, at least, at least this is the program that I came through, um, throughout high school. I don't think it prepared me one bit <laughs> for what was to come. Mm. And so I think this is just, yeah, I think, I think a lot of egos also need to be put aside when it comes to the schooling system and they need to be willing to go, okay, I know this is going to be a lot of work and I know maybe this is going to ruffle some feathers and make maybe skip on some toes, but let's shuffle up, you know, who's designing these curriculums even. Let's get some fish, you know, younger people in to tell us, you know, this is what works. This is what doesn't work anymore. This is how you can reach them. This is what doesn't work anymore. And until you are also willing to do that, and I believe that the answer to a lot of our educational crises is the youth asking them, just asking them, what do you want? What works? Mm. Um, and I think that that's a, that's a gap that's never been filled. And it's an easy gap to fill because if you ask them, they will tell you a lot of the time. If you take a group of, you know, average students or even underachievers by their standards and you put them together and you tell them, Tell us, you know, what's wrong. Tell us what's not working for you. Tell us what will work for you. They will tell you, but nobody's asking. And so I think that that's just, ugh, it's such a loss. What I'm hearing here is personalized uh, education. Because mm. people are so different. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. It, it, it's harder to design a system that works for everyone. Because the system has mm, worked mm. for some people, right? Yeah, yeah. The current system, but it doesn't work for every single person. It doesn't cater for every single person, every single skills or every single person's personality and capabilities and all that. Mm. So uh, I, I don't know. I've never heard of this, but I'm hearing personalized education. Uh, I think it's something we should look into. Yeah, and I mean, I think that, Look, no system is going to unanimously work for everybody and you're never mm-hmm. going to find a solution, I guess, that works for absolutely everybody. But I think just trying is the first step. I think trying a couple of different things is the next step. Um, and I think there are many ways to make a big impact by actually changing things very little. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so I think, I think they just, I think there's, there's, there's some thinking that can happen around the way things are done. Definitely. Um, um, one thing that I was thinking about earlier before we, we had this talk is mm. like, I was thinking about it, you know, you were talking about our highs and lows and I, and I was thinking, 
every time I failed, especially in the academic system, I felt like a complete and total worthless nothing. Like, I just felt like I didn't belong here. I wasn't as good. I didn't deserve to be a scientist because I was just not, I was just not grasping things. I was just, I was, I just felt dumb a lot of the time. <laughs> and one thing that I, that I kept thinking was, why is it that we are always taught how to win in life, but nobody ever teaches us how to fail? Yeah. Um, so from very early on, you're praised for winning all the time, but you're never ever praised for failing. And yeah. so you never, you never learn to fail correctly. And so yeah. I think that is a, is a big loss within, especially the educational system is that I think failure should actually be rewarded. And mm. I, I, I know that might be counterintuitive to how a lot of people think, but I think failure should yeah. be rewarded. And I think that you should be taught a right and a wrong way to fail. So if you fail in the incorrect mm. way, mm. way, that's, that's a proper failure, right? That, that's a proper loss. But if you fail correctly, so much can be learned and gained from that. Then why is it a failure? And so mm. I really do think that failure should be rewarded, failing correctly. So for example, I would give you like a very simple thing that I was thinking about is, um, what happens if you did do testing, right? Mm. But over time, they actually tracked how many more things you got right over time, even if it was one point more the next test around. And you just got tested more frequently. But every time you improved and you made a mistake the last time that you didn't make this time, that was actually failing forward, right? So you mm. learned from it. And so you were rewarded for that. Whether you got an 80% or a 90%, you got mm. that, that thing that you did wrong the last time, you did it right this time. And so you got rewarded for that. And yeah. so I always thought about like that kind of reward system within education because that would make you not scared of failure. It would actually make you excited to fail because you're going to go, oh, okay, you know what? It's fine. I can do it better the next mm -hmm. time. And I know I don't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And you, you start to approach failure differently. And yeah, I think I'm, I'm starting to think about failure in that way because I think failure has been a big, a big hurdle for me, um, mentally. Mm -hmm. Failure was, I think, is probably one of the hardest things for me to deal with is failure. And I really just think it's because just throughout society and life, you know, everybody's taught to win, but nobody's taught to fail. Um, mm. And so, yeah, so I, I think I've just been thinking about that a lot lately. Like, you know, why does failure fit me in the way that it does? And yeah, it's just clearly, it's just, it's just ingrained in society to love winners. Yeah. And yeah. I guess it's 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 good in a survivalist sense, but I think the human race has evolved a lot. <laughs> um, so I don't think we should we should just look at at things in such a you know a black and white way anymore. Yeah, that's, that reminds me of something I, I was watching just earlier on. Um, of a lady talking about how she feared going transitioning to doing something uh, that was less comfortable for her. And mm. that is just that fear of what if I fail? Yeah. As in, I think this, this failure thing, if it's ingrained into the system, it applies in very many things in our mm. lives, all through our lives. Yeah. And also something else that I've noted, uh, if a teacher is able to say that I think I am shitty, there's something I'm doing that is wrong. Mm. That is them being able to be vulnerable mm. and even mm. even to themselves, not even to yeah. other people, just to be themselves and accepting that and now figuring, okay, now what next? Yeah. How can I, what can I do to improve them? 
to improve what, um, on, on my skill or to, to be better and do right by the people who look up to me. Because yeah. everybody passes through a teacher. Everybody mm. in the world passes through a teacher. And if, if the teachers um, instill bad things in us, then it affects throughout our lives, you know? Yeah.